This is the Books Podcast presented by Tim Haig. Lawrence Block joins us again, I'm delighted to say, with his uh, new book, The Girl with the Deep Blue Eyes. Uh, I, I take it the title is because the uh, dragon tattoo was taken, is that? Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, actually, uh, I wrote a book, oh, I don't know, uh, maybe about 40 years ago called The Girl with a Long Green Heart. So if you anything, did. it probably harkens back to that. Uh, you got him before Stig. Indeed. Now, this new book is, well, the first note I made when I was reading it, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty steamy. It's, it's quite racy. Um, I, I, I note in the, in the very first uh, chapter, we have um, uh, an event, a, an erotic event of, of, uh, of sodomy. And it, it's uninvited sodomy as well. I thought, wow, this is a bit of a roller coaster. This <laughs> is racy. But then, of course, I remembered that you, you, you've got form. You started off writing. Um, I'm, I'm going to search for a word that does, that's not smut here. Uh, mid, mid-century erotica, we call the genre. There is quite a lot of uh, quite, um, quite steamy sex in this. Um, I, I, and that's really because it's noir, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. Our hero in this book is Doak Miller. Doak? Doak? What sort of a name is Doak? You do explain it, but I think I'm, I'm going to have to ask you to tell us again. Uh, well, it's, uh, <clears throat> it, it's a name uh, of, of uh, there was a football player of some uh, prominence in uh, college football called uh, Doak Walker. And uh, in a sense, uh, <clears throat> Doak's name uh, comes from that. And he is, um, well, he's an ex-cop. Yes. And I, I don't think I'm going to give too much away if I say that he is going to fall heavily in love with um, uh, the girl with the deep blue eyes, whose name is Lisa, Lisa Otterbine. And um, Doak is, he, he's um, sort of middle-aged. He's, he's retired from, uh, from New York policing and, and gone to Florida. So it, it's, it's a bit of a... Uh, a bit unexpected for him, surely, to to fall suddenly in love the way he does. It is, it is. But uh, you know, if he doesn't, we just don't have a book. <laughs> well, we do, and and it's a beautiful setup. Tell me about the setup. How does he first come across her? Uh, Doke is, as as you said, uh, a former New York City police detective, and he retires to Florida, and to keep busy there and also to supplement uh, his pension. He sets up uh, as a private detective, even gets himself licensed down there. And in the course of this, he becomes acquainted with the local police and he's called upon one time to pose as as a hitman uh, in order to entrap a local businessman who is looking to hire a hitman and who would recognize anybody in the local police force so that they they really have to go outside. And he uh, gets the guy on uh, on tape and and it's it's a, a successful operation. And time passes and he's uh, called upon again, this time to entrap uh, a woman, uh, Lisa Otterbein, who has uh, made some inquiries looking to find someone to kill her husband. One of the things I liked about Doak is is his moral ambiguity, which is, to some extent, it's your stock in trade, isn't it? Well, the, the last time we spoke was about Bernie Rodenbar, who 
uh, who's one, you said his one moral flaw is that he steals things. Uh, Doak, Doak is, he's a good guy, he's a cop, but he has this moral ambiguity, he has uh, his own attitudes to what's uh, good and bad. And he's, he's got a, a sort of a, 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 an attitude, for instance, to um, capital punishment, where he thinks, you know, sometimes I approve of it, sometimes I don't. Uh, most of my characters, I think, have, um, have a certain amount of moral ambiguity. Um, as, <clears throat> candidly, do most of the people I come across in life, uh, there are, um, you know, fictional private detectives who, uh, some of whom even talk about having a code, you know, uh, uh, Robert Parker Spencer uh, uh, will, okay. will even talk with his girlfriend about his code and that. Oh, for example, Matthew Scudder, a, a, a detective character who's, uh, who's been in, you know, 17 or 18 books so far, um, if he ever <clears throat> had a code, he's long since lost the code book. And what I think makes him interesting for me and has continued to hold my interest for all that many books is that he makes it up as he goes along. And most of the people I know one way or another, I think, make up uh, their morality as they go along. I'll tell you what else I liked about Doak very much. He does talk about himself. He talks to Lisa when, when they're together about his, uh, his life and his background. But we know him really, not, not by what he says, but by his actions. Sure. And, and, and that, that does drive the, the, the book forward. I, th I think that's true, and, I, and that, of course, was intentional. I, uh, I don't like in that sort of a book where the uh, character is constantly letting you know what he's thinking and feeling. Uh, you, you know what it reminded me of, and uh, the second note I made when I was reading this is, um, you know, I, I, I could spot the, uh, the influences of James M. Cain. Um, later on in the book, uh, you, you make it clear that <laughs> I'm not as clever as I think I am, because <laughs> we, we have Doak watching all these film noir uh, movies on television, including uh, the Postmortal Springs twice and Double Indemnity, which are, you know, from James M. Cain books. But there is a very Cainish feel to this book, I thought. Were you referencing it? Well, not specifically, though it's, it's hard to uh, uh, write that sort of thing without uh, having Kane and similar noir uh, writers of the 40s and 50s uh, somehow in mind in the background. I know uh, my uh, my Hollywood agent, a fellow named Brian Lipson, read read the book in manuscript and uh, summed it up in his pitch. He, he said, this is James M. Kane on Viagra. Oh, yeah, all that roller coaster sexual uh, drive is, is very James N. Cain, I thought. Yes, although in, in Cain's books, uh, although the impulse is there, there's relatively little sex that actually happens. In fact, it's all it, implied, though. Yes, it, well, it's, it's implied at, at most. In fact, sometimes if you read uh, books of, <clears throat> by Cain and, and others uh, mining the same field, uh, from from back in the day, you wonder how they could be that hot and bothered without ever having done anything. <laughs> I'll tell you what else reminded me of Kane. Kane Kane's books, as as uh, we know, are uh, wonderfully compressed, marvelously spare, and do an enormous amount in a very small space. And this this is um, 
a, um, a shortish book. It's a couple of hundred pages, which which has a, a, an enormously strong narrative drive, and 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 in in that same way uh, does a lot within a relatively short space. Thank you. I don't know if you agree with me. I find U.S. crime writing um, really very very sort of uh, localized, or at least uh, it's very much tied to. To uh, its its district, uh, you you've written a lot about New York, but um, this time uh, you're in Florida, and I, I, I you know there are lots of uh, crime writers writing in Florida. I think of um, oh, Lawrence Shames and and uh, Carl Hyacin, yes, and of any course, number, yeah. And did a lot you worry of you were Leonard's work was set in Florida. Also, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you ever worry you were stepping on anybody's toes? Do you think you you know do they do they have a, their uh, sort of a, a fiefdom over? Well, Florida? well, the part of Florida that I wrote about, I don't, I don't even know if anybody's uh, said anything there. It's a, a sort of uh, area that that most people don't know. It's not up in the Panhandle. It's not down in South Florida. It's uh, kind of, it's. Uh, on the Gulf Coast, but in a place that doesn't get much traffic. Well, you know, for, for Brits, uh, sort of run-down parts of America are almost impossibly glamorous in, in that way. I mean, we, we watch Deliverance and we think, wow, how fabulous to be there. And, you know, there's Ned Beatty saying, no, no, it right. really isn't. But w- we love being taken into these sort of uh, these dark bits, these less um, sort of salubrious parts of America. Well, we get a similar delight watching Vera on the tube. So I, I <laughs> that's good to know. Um, I, I want us to make this into a film and cast it. I want to know who who's going to be. Uh, I mean, I, I know who's going to be uh, the girl with the deep blue eyes. I thought I'd play Doke myself, <laughs> and, and um, you, you could be Sheriff Radburn, okay. who's uh, okay. the, that, the that, policeman that, who commissions him to. That for these that things. would work. I, I, have, I have no idea who's going to play anything. The, the series is, at the moment, being developed, whatever exactly that means. The, the book is being developed uh, for a, a, a TV series. What they call a limited series means meaning one season. Oh, that would be great. I mean, and, and given that I'm playing Doke, if, if we could get Scarlett Johansson for Lisa, that would be um, highly convenient. You, you'd like that. Oh, I, I very much want. Yeah. I, you bring me fa- actually to the last thing I wanted to say. Um, I wanted to know what happens to Doke and Lisa um, uh, beyond this. I, I, I had not had enough of them. Um, and if 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 it is going to get commissioned for a uh, one of these limited seasons, could there be another? Where, where, what does happen? Where do they go? Uh, you know, I <clears throat> I don't know. I, I I I don't know the answer to that. I don't think i'll be doing another book about the characters but uh it's hard to rule anything out i've been mistaken often enough in the past it's especially a bad idea if television gets hold of it to rule anything out because if it's a hit you know i mean if everybody was dead at the end of the series they'd do a second one that's that's right (laughs) from beyond the grave they'd find a way oh that prequel they could do a prequel (laughs) yes Larry, uh, I really, really enjoyed um, The Girl with the Deep Blue Eyes. Uh, we're going to say again that it's published by Hard Case, which is the uh, Titan imprint. And in the UK, it's £16.99. I think that's uh, a bargain. I, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Larry, thank you very much. Thank you, Tim. Always a pleasure. That was The Books Podcast with Tim Haig. The Books Podcast is produced by Green Shoot. You can find out more at www.green-shoot.com and Tim can be contacted on tim at green-shoot.com.